0: My intention over the last couple of episodes has been to disabuse us of the idea that faith and reason are somehow fundamentally at odds with one another, or that faith is an exclusively religious phenomenon, by showing that faith is actually a natural, rational, and practically unavoidable mode of human knowing. We believe things by faith when we trust the testimony of another. If the person that we believe is trustworthy, then our faith will be, to that extent, reasonable. But what about theological faith or what has traditionally been called the theological virtue of faith? Is there anything unique or special about the kind of faith that Christian believers have in God or in the redemptive work that was done through Christ? Well, it's now time for us to consider this important question. The closest scripture comes to giving us anything like a formal definition of faith is found in the letter to the Hebrews. We looked at this verse last time. Here the writer says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That's in Hebrews 11 verse 1. And last time we considered the nature of faith as being fundamentally related to something that is not evident to sense or evident to the intellect that the subject of faith concerns things not seen by us. Here we're going to consider what else the writer of Hebrews says about faith, namely, that it is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, this seems like an odd turn of phrase. How can we have assurance for things that we hope for? How can we have conviction about things which we don't see? It doesn't seem like the terms assurance and conviction should go together with the notions of hope and the lack of sight. Well, let's look at the verse more closely. The Greek word that is here translated as assurance literally means substance. And the Greek word here translated as conviction literally means evidence or proof. The New King James Version translates the verse in its most literal way. It says, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen by the use of these strong terms the writer of hebrews is communicating that there's something unique and exceptional about the christian believers faith in god he's telling us that the believers faith is a supernatural faith now the word supernatural is a spooky word for many today but i don't think it's all that mystifying When theologians speak of the nature of Christian faith as supernatural, what they mean is that the faith uh, is based on the direct and immediate witness of God within the soul of the believer. We call it supernatural because it's not something that we can achieve on our own by means of our own natural power and ability. Rather, it's something that God must initiate in us and for us. Supernatural faith is a trust in God and in Christ that is based on the immediate witness of the Spirit of God within the believer. Genuine Christian faith is fundamentally grounded in the witness of the Holy Spirit. We find out in the New Testament that the Holy Spirit is actually the third person of the Trinity. While on Earth, Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth who proceeds from the Father, we see that in John 15, 26, and who testifies to the truth of God and Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us that the Spirit of God Himself is at work within the soul of every believer, bearing witness to the truth. He writes, quote, for you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, end quote. That's in Romans 8:15 and 16. And again, Paul writes, quote, because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, end quote. Again, this is Paul in Galatians 4, verse 6. Recall our definition of everyday ordinary faith from a past episode. Faith is simply believing something based on the authority or testimony of another. We can now see that supernatural faith is a special kind of faith since it rests on a special kind of testimony. Supernatural faith is believing the truth about God based on the direct testimony and immediate witness of the Holy Spirit. The faith of the believer fundamentally rests in the direct and personal witness and authority of God himself. Recall also that we said in a past episode that the quality or rationality of one's faith depends on the quality and authority of the witness that is believed. Credible witnesses make for a reasonable faith. We can now see that the person whose faith is grounded on the direct testimony of God through the witness of the Holy Spirit has a faith that is eminently rational. There cannot possibly be a greater source of evidence, proof, or confirmation for a person's faith than the direct witness of the Holy Spirit for the person who has that witness. This is what the Apostle John says when he writes, The Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. End quote. That's in 1 John 5, 6 through 9. John then goes on to say this, quote, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life, end quote. And that's in 1 John five ten through 12. What the Apostle John says here, I think, helps us to better understand the words of the author of Hebrews that we looked at earlier. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Unlike our everyday faith in which we rely on the testimony of others that are external to us, supernatural faith comes from the testimony of God working from within us. God's work in us is a kind of foretaste, a kind of down payment or first fruits. Of the coming harvest that is eternal life a reality that will be fully ours in the life to come in fact this is precisely how the apostle paul describes the witness of the spirit in the book of romans he writes quote but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons the redemption of our bodies for in this hope we were saved now hope that is seen is not hope For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with patience. End quote. That's in Romans 8, 23 through 25. So the witness of the Spirit in the life of the believer is therefore both the source of faith and is itself the down payment or first fruits of what is hoped for by faith. Now, because the eternal life that is begun in us, which is a kind of deposit or substance of what is to come, is not yet fully ours. We hope for it. And the work of the Spirit inside of us that produces our faith is itself also the evidence that what is not yet seen will certainly come to pass. Supernatural faith is thus powerfully warranted for the one who has it. But does faith provide certainty for the one who has it? Here I think Thomas Aquinas is insightful. Aquinas says, quote, Certitude can mean two things. The first is firmness of adherence. And with reference to this, faith is more certain than any understanding and scientific knowledge. For the first truth or God, which causes the assent of faith, is a more powerful cause than the light of reason, which causes the assent of understanding or scientific knowledge. The second is the evidence of that to which assent is given. Here, faith does not have certainty but scientific knowledge and understanding do." End quote. Aquinas says that there's a sense in which our faith can be certain and a sense in which it cannot be certain. Now, in a previous episode, we saw that both the knowledge of first principles and the scientific knowledge that is directly derived from them are known through a kind of intellectual sight. They are things that are evident to our reason. Aquinas tells us that because faith does not involve sight, neither physical nor intellectual sight, it's not in this sense more certain for us than what is evident by the light of reason. So in one sense, faith is less certain than what is evident to our reason. Yet he also tells us that there is another sense in which faith is more certain than that which is evident to our reason. Faith is more certain in terms of the firmness of adherence, he says. Now, why is that? Well, because the one who causes faith in us, God, is more powerful than the light of reason. So even though we cannot expect from faith the kind of certainty that comes from physical or intellectual sight, we do have a kind of certainty related to the will that is even more powerful. And we can call this the certainty of faith. And as we've seen that the New Testament speaks of a kind of assurance of faith that is produced within the soul of the believer directly by the Holy Spirit. So that even though we cannot see, we believe with complete adherence and with full assurance. Now, if we keep in mind this distinction between the certainty of faith or firm adherence of the will and the certainty of reason or knowledge of what is evident, we can also see how it's possible for a believer to undergo doubt, something that all believers experience from time to time. Since faith concerns that which we cannot see, it's possible for our minds our intellects to waver, to hesitate or falter when it comes to what we believe. This is just to say that doubt results from a lack of sight. And as we saw last time, there would be no need for faith or even the possibility of faith if what we believe was evident to our senses or intellects. But just because we doubt, just because we lack the certainty of reason, it doesn't mean that we can't, even in the very same moment, retain the certainty of faith. Remember, the certainty of faith is the kind of firmness of adherence, so that even if we are wavering in our thoughts, we can remain firmly committed to Christ in our will. And here's the big idea. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Just because you doubt, it doesn't mean that you lack faith. Faith and doubt can coexist, because faith is a firm adherence to God in the will. And doubt is a wavering of the mind. The will of the believer can cling to God, even when the mind is undergoing doubts. What is opposed to faith is not doubt, but unbelief. Unlike doubt, which occurs in the mind, unbelief also involves the will. The person in a state of unbelief does not have a will that adheres to God. Indeed, it's possible for a person to believe the truth with the mind and yet not adhere to God with the will. And this leads us to another important distinction. We can distinguish between a living faith on the one hand with a dead faith, on the other hand. Living faith is what we have here called supernatural faith, and it's a faith that's been infused into the soul of the believer by the Holy Spirit. The medieval theologians called this formed faith because it is grounded in charity. It is formed through a genuine love for God. In contrast, dead faith is a natural faith that consists of mere belief or intellectual assent but without an inward change or the firm adherence of the will to God. The medieval theologians called this unformed faith because it is not grounded in charity. It is not formed through a genuine love for God. The Protestant reformers distinguished between living and dead faith with two Latin words that I think can be helpful. The first is ascensus and is translated just as it sounds. It means assent. In theological terms, a sensus describes the state of mental or intellectual assent to the truth claims of the faith. A person who thinks that Christianity is true is in a state of a sensus. The person intellectually judges that the content of the faith is true and mentally assents to it. The second Latin term used by the reformers is fiducia, sometimes pronounced fiducia, and it simply means trust. In theological terms, fiducia describes the state of trust and confidence in God. And a person in the state of fiducia has gone beyond mere mental assent, beyond mere assensus, by deciding to place complete trust in God and total reliance on the work of Christ for salvation. Whereas assensus describes the state of believing that God is by mentally assenting to the truth of the proposition, Fiducia describes the state of believing in the God who is by willfully placing our trust in him and in the redemptive work he has accomplished through Christ. The bottom line in all of these distinctions, living and dead, formed, unformed, ascensus, Fiducia, is that genuine faith, supernatural faith, is something more than mere belief. After all, as James sarcastically tells us, Even the demons believe in God. He says, quote, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder, end quote. That's in James 2.19. Knowing and intellectually assenting to the content of the Christian faith is not enough. Faith is only living and effectual when it includes a firm adherence of the will, motivated by the love for God and a complete reliance on his grace alone. As we've seen in previous episodes, faith is not just a religious phenomenon, but rather a natural and rational mode of human knowing. Faith is just believing something based on the witness or testimony of another. And here I've tried to show that the theological virtue of faith is a unique and exceptional mode of faith, precisely because it's supernatural. As supernatural, it is beyond our natural ability and power to produce in ourselves. This kind of faith is therefore the gift of God's grace. It is a faith infused into the soul of the believer by God, and it's based upon the direct witness and testimony of the Holy Spirit working within us. Although on this side of heaven, we cannot have a certainty of reason we do have a certainty of faith grounded in the will adhering to God in love and in a firm trust and reliance on the redeeming work of Christ.